Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Virginia Tech lost to Georgia Tech, 49-28. I'm left feeling a little foolish again, Robbie. How are you feeling? Um, well, I think we mentioned it pretty well either earlier today or, or yesterday, where you said if you know we can't laugh at ourselves, all we could do is cry. So <laughs> that... Uh, yeah, I think I that will, was the I best way to shuffle. put it. <laughs> All right, man. Give us a cheers. So, uh, well, this one's challenging. We're a basketball school anyway. So I think <laughs> that uh, basketball season is upon us. And I, I, I don't have a cheers this week. Uh, yeah, I hope uh, Rivers is good. I hope Hewitt is good. And they get healthy. I'm... Super excited. We hit a top 10 rank, I think, in uh, college basketball today. Um, somebody this evening. Oh, one evening, of the preseason rankings. Yeah, one of the preseason rankings had us as top 10. So um, we're pulling a full UVA, and we're just going to concentrate on basketball season. So uh, that was a tough, tough game. Um, and I don't have much else to say about that. Uh, let's just leave it there, and let's get ready yeah. for finishing off the season and uh, basketball season coming up. Yeah. Cheers. Less than two weeks till basketball. I feel like that's familiar. Like perhaps that happened last year when we lost a game, we did a, we did a cheers to the basketball team getting fired up. Uh, let's do these news and notes. There was one I didn't do last week and I guess it just slipped through my fingers here, but Taj Gary committed to the Hokies. A little bit of good news. High three-star running back from Georgia. I'm really pumped about him, and you put him with King, our other running back recruit. These are two really good running backs that, depending on how you view McLeese or Peoples, they're more talented than any running back on our roster right now. Yeah, I mean, Peoples might have something to say about that after this last game, but I agree. Yeah, Gary's a good player, and... I've been wanting him for a while. He's not big. He's kind of in that Stephen Peoples mold, maybe like 5'8", but a, definitely a bowling ball type and a uh, little likeness to maybe MJD or an Emmett Smith in there somewhere. Uh, definitely a good player. His coach had a lot of good things to say about him in the piece Andy Bitter wrote. The next thing I had is Ladler suspended for the first half of the Boston College game due to the targeting call. And as you mentioned, Rivers and Hewitt are day-to-day. So we're kind of limping our way into this BC matchup. And I don't think we have to really talk about the Ladler targeting. It happened. I didn't agree with it at the time. It, you know, it is it is what it is. They, they pretty much call targeting when the crown of the helmet hits another helmet, regardless of force or the intent or whatever else. So he's out, and now he's out again for the first half of BC. And it's a bummer. I agreed with your take on it on Twitter in terms of it not being targeting. But that doesn't mean that you can't be a little bit more mindful of the way that you're you're, you're tackling. So, um, you know that that's going to be tough, and we're already a little bit thin. But hopefully, um, you know he's he'll be back in the what second half at BC, so or yep. or, or yep. at home. Yeah, and that's you know Ladler's a good player. We could have used him at the end of that game. I don't know if it would have changed the result, but he led the team in tackles. And he didn't play the majority of the third and fourth quarter. He had 12 tackles when he left the game, 
Ashby was second on the team. He had 11. So he might have had 15, 16, 17 tackles had he played the entire game. He was making an impact, and it, it was a bummer we had to lose him. Yep, I agree. The next thing was three more ACC teams enter the rankings. NC State, of course, fell out due to the loss to Syracuse, but Syracuse took their place right at 22. UVA entered the rankings at 23, and BC came in at 24. So we have a another chance for a win against a ranked opponent at home this weekend, something we haven't pulled off since 2009 now that BC is number 24. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But UVA being in there is the real thing that got people going. Yeah, it took me a while to uh, go back to uh... – I actually had to just keep rabbit trailing. And I think I used, it ended up being uh, Syracuse, I think that I used as the rabbit trail because I was using the AP poll, you know, and I have to look at each AP poll to figure out who, when, when people were ranked. And November 22nd, 1994, that uh, was when BC, Syracuse, and uh, UVA were all ranked. And uh, BC, Syracuse, and Virginia Tech were all in the Big East uh, back then. Yeah. UVA was in the ACC, and we were ranked number 18 at the time. Uh, it actually was very reminiscent of how good those programs were and kind of reminded me how good those programs were in the 90s. Um, you know, all the BC, Syracuse, UVA were, you know, almost every single year from 1990 through like 1996, they were all like in the top 25 at, at some point. And for a lot of times, you know, for six plus weeks in the top 25. So, um, not to give them too much of a pat on the back, but uh, that was the last time all of those three teams were all ranked. Yeah, it's wild. And all three of those teams are in the newest college football playoff rankings as well. So Syracuse came in at 19, BC's at 22, and UVA slept in right there at 25. So legit top 25 teams for all those uh, random ACC teams that we haven't seen in the rankings too often over the past decade plus. Uh, but good for them. I, the last thing I wanted to mention is just that we're 55th in the S&P Plus now, and we're at a point in the season where the S&P Plus holds some credence. So 55th is – it's in the top half of FBS, <laughs> but just barely. The interesting thing was, though, although UVA is ranked, they're only 48th in the S&P Plus. So maybe some of those wins came against teams that aren't quite as good or they won games they shouldn't have. But I thought that was interesting that although they seem way better than us at the moment and that they're playing better than us at the moment, and they are, um, in their advanced stats, they're not that far ahead of us. Yeah. I feel like I should just pull a WVU and get really high on UVA right now because that means they'll lose the next game. Yes, so, you should. <laughs> yeah. So everybody should be rooting. Uh they look pretty good. I, I, they're, they've figured out the quarterback position. They've figured out a lot of things on defense. It, it, they relatively look good. The stats are not that different from us. They've played a bunch of soft schools. They played Louisville. I mean, their wins are not that great. That said, oh, yeah. um, we'll uh, we'll find out pretty quickly. They're going to play Pitt, and they're going to have a, a tough game there, albeit at home. So yeah. um, you know that'll help them a little Friday bit. Friday night for. First place in the coastal. <laughs> I know it's incredible, and um, whatever you know. Uh, I, I but everybody should be uh, should keep UVA on their radar. It took a little while for people to understand that they were actually somewhat competent at football this year, and uh, now uh, Virginia Tech fans should keep an eye on uh, a lot of games that are meaningful through the rest of the year. For sure, our S and P is dragged down mostly by the defensive statistic of ninety first. 
91st on defense in the S&P Plus, and 93rd in yards per play. So it's not just it's, uh, one place that we're in the 90s. It's it's multiple places. And the offense being 24th in the S&P Plus is just pretty crazy to me. It, I don't think it's just been as good as a top 25 offense. It's been good. Um, and they're 38th in yards per play, which I think is probably more on point for where we're at. Like a top 40 offense, yes. Top 25, uh, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, it, it's tough because we're so, I don't know, you're conditioned to look at football a certain way, and we've been conditioned to always just know that we have a relatively stout defense, even when there's those you know breaks and Georgia Tech throws 120 yards on two passes last year or whatever the case may be. You're just conditioned to understand that, you know, we don't pay as much attention to defense, so then we're always scrutinizing the offense. So I, I don't know. It it looks pretty good to me, but we can get into the details here. I don't. I agree with you. I don't know if it's top twenty five, but I would say it's definitely a top forty defense or top forty offense. I would be frightened. Our defense is. Um, it it might be one of our worst defenses of the last. I don't know, fifteen years probably. Um, if definitely. it keeps up, and uh, maybe twenty years if it keeps up the way that it has been. Yeah, yeah. Let's fire into the game recap, and we'll elaborate a little bit on that. And we don't want to be too much doom and gloom. And I'll start off by just saying, yes, I was positive going to the Georgia Tech game. I thought with the bye week and you know some of the playmakers we have on defense, we might be in an okay position to win after two years of losing to them. You know, law of averages says eventually you're going to beat Georgia Tech because you'll have a good night defending them. Well, that wasn't the case. And we try to be optimistic. And I guess I was just like, an idiot for thinking that this defense had a chance because now everyone's coming out of the woodwork like we knew this was going to be an issue georgia tech always gives us those problems and it's like i don't know we ran a poll of 200 people and 75 percent thought we'd win the game you know like that's what we put on our twitter page and so it, it was funny I, I, on a, a, a certain website uh that we all frequent uh, somebody put out a post the night before and it's he, one of the more controversial <laughs> controversial posters to um that website saying just so we're all clear i want to like put this out there and everybody thought it was like a troll post and all those things it was like georgia tech is bad like they are a bad team like their defense is really bad their stats are horrific um and hats off to them for putting together a scheme that just involved, you know, peewee league, um, basically run plays that they used the entire time. And I'm not talking about the triple option. That's not even what they used for most of the game. It wasn't a triple option uh, that they were leaning on. It was just normal, like basically, uh, you know, run plays that you would uh, figure if you were like drawing it up on a, on a whiteboard for your first time. And, uh, basically said, I, I don't want there to be revisionist history that Georgia Tech is not very good. And um, we got um, decimated by a not very good um, uh, defense, a very bad defense, quite frankly, and an offense that hadn't done that to um, pretty much anybody in the country thus far. Yeah, they did it to Louisville and they did it to Bowling Green, but not even in the same way as they did us because they didn't complete a pass <laughs> in our game. Uh, I think it might have been the first game where Paul Johnson won and they didn't complete a pass. Yeah. So uh, not not great. The game started out okay, only in the sense that we were able to put up some points early. We got 17 yards from Peoples right away on the first play, then the long TD on the slant to Trey Turner. That was sweet to see the young kid get going. 
GT answered with a 12-play drive. That's a theme that'll come back. 75 <laughs> yards made it 7-7. We then got another nice run from Peoples, leading to the dime pass from Willis to Hazleton for the second TD, and that was beautiful. So we're feeling good about ourselves. But then GT responded again. They got a fourth down conversion. They got a 15-yard penalty on Dax. Ties the game. We put together a long drive, 11 plays, 73 yards, capped it on the run by Willis. That made it 21-14. to That's when things took a turn. We hold them to a punt, but we run into their kicker. They punt again. There's a penalty. They punt again, and then we muff it. And after that muff, Georgia Tech scored 28 straight points, making it 49-21 to before we added a garbage time touchdown to Holston. I don't think I need to go into any more of the game recap. I, th- I think we all get what happened. The muff was the turning point, but it wasn't the reason that we lost. The reason that we lost is because we could not stop their offense all night long. Yeah, I agree with that. Do you ever see it in, in keeping this uh, positive? you ever see um, the Chappelle show, the player haters ball scene from the Chappelle show? Of course I have. And he says, what can I say about our performance that hasn't already been said about Afghanistan? We look bombed out and depleted. Is basically the like all that could come to mind today when I was like writing up my notes is, yeah. and then I actually played the clip for the player haters ball so I could you know have a smile. That that the muff if people want to you know pin it on that. Okay, the fact was we had no answer for their offense, not even like a close to a semblance of an answer. They were averaging i think if you look at the averages um tobias oliver six yards per carry yeah five and a half five and a half on 40 carries for oliver jordan mason had 6.8 on 12 carries and jerry howard had 6.3 on 12 carries so uh, mm-hmm. effectively they didn't need fourth downs they could just needed two downs and they could just get a first down every single time and when you looked at it they were dominating our defensive line and our linebackers. I don't want to put that just on the defensive line. Our linebackers were getting pushed around, and they were playing off coverage, which I'll wait for French or, or whoever else is more experienced at this to do a review on that. Um, but we were playing back a little bit off the line of scrimmage, I'm assuming because I don't know. Uh, but the, the point being that, they basically had three yards as soon as the ball was snapped on almost every single play that I watched. Yeah, they manhandled us, as Bud put it. And we were playing off the line. It was a little mystifying. I don't know why. It it was incredible how literally as soon as the ball was snapped, one, it looked like they were false starting every time because of maybe how quickly they were moving or whatever. I don't know. But they were in our in our second level. Like as soon as it was snapped, it was four or five or six yards before anyone touched most of their players. It was unbelievable to see, quite honestly. And the 42 minutes of possession uh, showed that. It was just like we could not get off the field ever. They were getting first downs on two plays, maximum of three plays. They only needed like one or two fourth downs. And honestly, the fact that they we made them punt at all is kind of amazing because – they were doing whatever they wanted. And you were right earlier when you said it wasn't even with the triple option. They didn't run a whole lot of triple option plays, especially early. They were just doing QB sweep. That was one of the key wrinkles they were using. They were doing follows and counters, modified veers, everything with Oliver. He had 40 carries. He was the star of the game. He ran the offense to perfection. We only previewed him slightly, as this happened so many times this season, where we see a backup quarterback instead of the starter, even when the starter is in full uniform and healthy. 
Um, but this kid was better. And what Paul Johnson wanted to do was he wanted to beat up his quarterback. So he decided he wanted to start the bigger kid in this situation. And Oliver was better for what he wanted to run against Virginia Tech. He was essentially – they were running the Wildcat is yeah. essentially what was happening. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, we had – it was 78 rushing attempts that they had. Uh, we had one sack and two tackles for a loss. Think about that. On 78 attempts, uh, if – I mean – we joke around about Saxburg and all. That is embarrassing. I mean, just you would accidentally sway, like slip between the offensive line and make a sack just like out of out of a statistical well, anomaly. Well, for loss only because a sack means you have to be dropped back to pass, right? <laughs> yes. So, but yeah, we only had what two tackles for loss yes. in the whole game. So it wasn't. It was horrible. Four hundred and sixty-five total yards, most rushing yards ever given up by Foster. 45 points for the third time this year given up by our defense. That's the most time since 1973. I think 1973 was also the year that uh, matched that rushing total because I think Bama ran like 700 yards against us that year. I'm not even kidding. I think it was like 700 some. So uh, 1973, not a good year, but 2018 isn't much better. Yeah. Let's flip over to the offense. I I can't unless you have anything else. I I don't have a ton of glowing things to say about the defense. In fact, I can't find. The only anything thing I want to say is that I just never seen them play that poorly. And we can round out the final thoughts here because I talked to you beforehand, and we don't want to just hammer and hammer the defense. Everyone knows how bad it is, but. Why is there a complete lack of effort? Why is there no physicality? Why have these kids not been coached a little bit better? Like, is Galen Scott, is losing Galen Scott that big of a deal? No. Was that, did that hurt our defense that much? Or is this defense just that young? I don't care how young you are. This, you got to do better than this. Yeah. And I think Ricky Walker is, um, yeah, there's been rumors out there. I can't even remember if it was an actual quote about, you know, there's been concern about the effort that some of the younger players have been putting in and whether they actually have been putting in the maximum kind of effort that they need to. Maximum effort. We're going Deadpool references at this point. Um, but I, I don't know. It, but it's it's not good. The, the penalties aren't good. They're at inopportune times where it's not disciplined football. And, not at all. Um, People are just getting manhandled um, in in certain aspects of the game, and it it needs to change, or you need to just reset. Like you just gotta kind of start over and start fresh because the you know bad can can often um, you know bad habits and bad you know training techniques and whatever the case, whether it's in work environment or football or otherwise can continue to breed itself and, you know, infest the entire organization. And I think that's, it, it looked really, really ugly. It was the first time that I've been truly embarrassed, uh, quite frankly, um, watching Virginia Tech play football. There's other times that I've walked away and been angry. I wasn't even angry at this game. I was just honestly embarrassed um, to seeing it because it was another nighttime primetime game at in lane and it just looked like people didn't give a shit. Like they didn't yeah. like, like who, who the F cares? Like, yeah, well, it's great. Yeah. We have this great song that we play and then we run out on the field and then we just don't like put in any effort. And, um, it was, it was hard to watch quite frankly. It was reminiscent of the Miami game a few years ago on the Thursday night where we got beat like 30 to six. Mm -hmm. it, it made me feel like that game. I was embarrassed. 
I, I left and I was at that game. I left in like the third or fourth quarter, as a lot of Hokie fans did, and I don't blame them because when you're just not seeing anything from the players, and I, I don't know who to blame more. I, I got to blame the coaching staff because these are young kids and they just don't have these kids playing with maximum effort and they have to do better. I don't know what it's going to take, but after a bye week at home at night against a team that didn't complete a single pass and you get walloped like that and handled like that. No, that's, that ain't right. Yeah. And if, if it happens again versus BC and it happens again versus Pitt, like something's going to have to change in the coaching staff. Like something's going to have, I'm not saying Bud's got to go. I'm not saying Fuente's got to go. I'm just saying like, you got to change something. Yeah. Uh, hire somebody new, whatever, because it's not good enough right now. I don't care how young they are. The most yards rushing ever given up by a foster defense. I, I mean, it's, it's pathetic. Yeah. I would, the only other piece that we didn't hit on it, so I hate to throw in something right at the end, is they were also gassed. I mean, the success of the offense early on and then how long GT was on the field, um, I wouldn't have been, wanted to be Ricky Walker. I mean, <laughs> in the, yeah. in that game. That, that had to be a slog for him to get through that game, how long they were on the field and everything. And that's not an excuse. It's just a factor. So, I, and it would be... Um, uh, negligent for us to not bring up the factor, I guess, it, whether or not that had a huge influence in it is uh, that, True. that was tough. It, it, it got us behind the eight ball early, being on the field so much, and then it snowballed, as we knew that it could. But we couldn't keep up offensively, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And there wasn't even just like little amounts of success. Maybe late in the game we held them to a punt here or there, but that, it, it was out of hand by then. Yeah. Do we want to? I want to rip through this offense real quick because I have a sure. pretty nice things to say about the the offensive performance. Not you know mind blowing. Ryan Willis, fifteen for twenty two, two hundred and one yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Not that we accept expected any interceptions because their DBs were and still are not great. Sixty eight percent was the second highest completion percentage uh, of the past two years. His highest. By the way, Josh Jackson had 75% against William and Mary and 77% against ECU last year. Um, so, you know, hats off. Ryan Wilson is starting to do it. He had 100% completion uh, percentage for passes zero to 10 yards. And I think it was eight passes. Um, the only other time that's been done was Gerard Evans did it through two years ago uh, against Liberty. So, um, he's actually been um, really his completion percentage on on short passes, and that's beyond it has to be beyond the line of scrimmage for me to take that into account. And I'm, we're starting to learn that a little bit longer passes for him are starting to get more difficult. So on passes like 10 to 19 yards, a little bit further out, um, his completion percentage is not very good. It's like. 17% against UNC and then 20% in this game. So it, it, once the long passes, he's fine. He's probably reminiscent to Josh Jackson or Gerard Evans. Short passes, he's exceptional. And then the intermediary routes, like your slant routes and things like that, um, it doesn't go well for him. But all in all, I think he um, he's really done a lot for, for this offense. Trey Turner looked awesome in the beginning of the game. Um, I mean, that pass and that catch yeah. was exceptional. And then I, I, I still, I watched the play, the overthrow 
uh, a few times and you know the long pass on the fourth and three that I don't really want to talk about but uh, you know he he looked like it was close and he almost had it he is really I think turning a corner and that's a freshman that we're seeing somebody really develop that could be a, a superstar for Virginia Tech Stephen Peoples looked exceptional uh, in his run uh, he was Everything that I've been excited about, he had six carries. He's averaging eight and a half yards a carry on all of those. And um, even uh, Jalen Holston had five carries for like five and an eight, 5.8 yards a carry. So um, I thought the the offense did enough. And, you know, you extrapolate that. We were on the field for 17 minutes. You extrapolate that to a normal game. We're on the field for, even if you say it's like 22 minutes, 25 minutes, whatever the case may be, that team puts up probably 35, 40 points. The issue is, and and by no means was the offense the biggest problem in the game, but Trey Turner didn't miss that easy catch that would have been a first down on our fourth drive, which... Mm-hmm. We were trying to keep up, you know, we're trying to keep pace and like score a touchdown every time they scored a touchdown. And that was the first time that didn't happen. And then it started to really sputter from there. We had 216 yards in the first 19 plays, 37 yards on the next 14 plays. So it it did start to sputter big time. And I'm listen, when your defense can't get a stop. I don't know like how many points you expect your offense to score, but we could have scored more. The there was the miss by Turner, the drop snap by Willis, the miss block on Henri Saint Amour that led to a sack on third down, um, an offensive pass interference on Kuma. These were all like little things that the offense. I mean, you're going to have a mistake. So it, I'm just I'm just pointing them all out because when your defense is playing that bad, sometimes the offense needs to pick them up, and they made enough mistakes that they couldn't do it. Yeah, that, that that would be my only point. They, it, you're right. Willis, almost 250 yards, three more touchdowns for him total. Like it's, it looks good. It just, it's it's not good enough to be Big Twelve. Like, let's go out and score 50 if they're scoring 49. You know? Yeah. No, I I totally agree. I can't I can't argue with that. That's 100 percent true. It's just uh, I. I can't look at that game objectively, like in, and think, man, this was really the offense. Yeah, well, the offense should have kept us in this game. I I don't think that's the right area to to focus in on. Not to say, to your point, that the offense doesn't need improvement. Yeah. It does. But Willis is also in his one, two, three, fourth game as a true starter, and you know that's. That's where we're at. And Turner is yeah. a freshman and Hazleton is young. And it, like this offense, I think, has an exceptional amount of potential. And that is exciting to me more than anything else. The defense seems to be getting worse. That's that's the problem is that, yeah, it was a bad defense. So you would expect our offense to come out and play well. And they did for the most part. Maybe if they got a few more of those plays, we would have had more time of possession, and that could have had an influence on the game. But you're seeing signs of improvement from the offense. We're seeing the opposite from the defense. Yeah. All right, let's take a beer break and then switch over <laughs> to the future. I, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to say? I, I don't want to cut you off. Here. No, you're you're 100% spot on. I think we 
everybody knows what they saw in that game. I think we're just hitting on you know some of the finer points of what everybody uh, understands. And if you if you watch the press conference and what Bud had to say and what Fuente had to say say and read beyond the words that are coming out of their mouth in terms of their emotions about it, then I think you would find that they're pretty much in the same headspace that the fan base is right now, and that's okay. Bud Foster's had a tremendous career. He's allowed to have a, a you know a, a couple of years where it's a struggle, and right now it's a struggle. My concern now is just how do we develop for the future? And what that's that's where my head space is now. What I'm looking for these last four games to be, five games hopefully to be, is what's what are we working towards, right? I understand that we're you know young youth, you know mistakes. Our coverage is terrible sometimes. You know we're not we're not playing with as much effort. And how do we change that? That's it. Like I'm looking towards the positive of the future. Yeah, we're hopefully going to just dump this as a one-off. Like that's what everyone wants to do is like, that was Georgia tech. Like, what do you expect? We're young. People want to dump it as a one-off. I'm hoping that we can. That's, that's what it is. Like if we're talking in a week from now and we're like, Georgia tech was Georgia tech. What a weird one-off game that was. I really hope that's the freaking case. All right, man, what are you drinking? So I'm drinking the Hardywood, uh, tropification. It is a, IPA because we took a loss this year, so I don't care what you guys want me to drink. I had a stout last night and a pumpkin ale the night before, but uh, tonight we're just going full uh, tropical IPA when the temperature's dropping and uh, seeing where things go. It's a hardy wood beer, so you know it's good. Uh, smooth, bright, and super juicy is uh, their characterization of it. 7.5%. And as all Hardywood beers are, it's extremely delicious. It's nice. You probably want to run out and get this now before uh, the temperatures drop below. It's supposed to be 70s in the next two days. So this would probably be a good two-day period to to go grab it. But after that, you're probably not going to enjoy it that much and want to start turning over to the stouts and, and porters and otherwise. How about you? I'm drinking the Sploing. Mango S'mores IPA. Yeah, the, the name is Schbloing with two exclamation points, like the sound, like, like I guess like Schwing almost <laughs> from Wayne's World. Um, but yeah, Mango S'mores IPA, brewed with marshmallows, graham crackers, salt, and lactose sugar, mango and vanilla flavor added. Um, this is by Omnipolo, which is a pretty well-known brewery. They make a lot of good products. If I didn't see the description of it being mango and graham cracker and s'mores or whatever, I wouldn't really taste it. It's just kind of a a fruity, lactosey sugar IPA. And I know uh, Tired Hands did the milkshake series, and that's become a thing these days where people will throw the lactose in there too for just that little bit of sweetness. It's it's good. It's not like above average. I, I don't really know how to, to really describe it. I was hoping I'd taste a little bit more of that marshmallow and graham cracker, but it's more of just like that fruity flavor, hazy in color, and uh, 7% alcohol. So not bad there. But I, I, I want it left me wanting a little bit more like our defense. <laughs> I have had the tropication or the tropification. I'm not sure what it's called on your end. And it's excellent. That is an awesome beer. Yeah, I like it a lot. And it's good because I've had the next beer um, already. I had a sip of it earlier and it's terrible. So um, <laughs> so we're starting off on a high note and then we're working into uh, uh, 
the low note, which I don't know. I think it'll balance out the podcast. Nice. All right. Boston College, number 24 in the AP poll and number 22 in the college football playoff rankings is coming to Lane Stadium 345 this Saturday, November 3rd. They're 6-2 and two this year, 3-1 and one in the ACC, and coached by none other than Robbie's favorite coach, Steve Adazio. Adazio made his way back. Just It's like Godfather. Just when I thought he was out, they, they drag him back in. So uh, I thought BC was going to fall off uh, a cliff at some point once they lost A.J. Dillon, but A.J. Dillon is back, and um, he's starting to get his feet underneath him. Yeah, there was only a little bit of a stretch there where BC wasn't playing great football against Purdue and NC State, but they just played their best game of the season, I'd say, beating Miami at home in the Friday night Halloween red bandana game. It was the Halloween so, game. I t- that's why yeah, I changed man. my pick. I mean, it's the Halloween game. That's always their, their MO. We both took BC to win outright. At least that's what we were saying. And they did, and it wasn't really that close although the score is probably a little bit bigger than uh than what it was they're 38th in the s&p plus so a good chunk better than us and they pretty much brought back their entire starting offense this year it hasn't been all smooth sailing for the offense but it's been a big step up from where they were yeah i mean this bc team has two losses one was purdue and Purdue, this is a team that knocked off Ohio State. I mean, obviously very talented, and um, Jeff Brom and and what they've been doing over there is is pretty exceptional. But and then NC State. So I know NC State has fallen on hard times in comparison to what maybe the expectations were uh, as of late. But that's another really good program. So their two losses are are not that. That said. Their wins are also equally not really <laughs> that magical. You're looking at UMass, Holy Cross, Wake Forest, Temple, Louisville, and Miami. The Miami win is probably their best, but it was also, like I said, that I, I joked, but that Friday night Halloween game is always a nightmare for everybody that heads up to Chestnut Hill and plays in it. It never goes well for, for anybody. Louisville is a dumpster fire. Temple is okay. And then you got UMass, Holy Cross, and Wake Forest. And Wake Forest is atrocious. Uh, so I don't know what to expect from this team other than they can run the ball assuming that they have a running back that is healthy, which I think he is now at this point. And that has not been a recipe for success for us, especially as of uh, the last seven days. Well, the last seven days, yeah, it's been bad. Um, but the, the reason I thought we had a chance at Georgia Tech is because, in general, our run defense was far better than our pass defense. But that did not compute against Georgia Tech. It didn't. It didn't work that way, and that's why where I was wrong. Um, well, I was wrong as more. well. I, I said the exact same thing. So you can't you can't just blame it all on you. I was at equally at, at fault on that as well. And I'm hoping that since we're playing a pro style team and it's not an option team who's going to snap it to a guy who's just going to run all over the place, that we're going to fare better in the run defense this week. AJ Dillon's a load. He's six one, two hundred and forty five pounds, and he's quick to boot like I I don't know how you can be that big and still have the moves and get down the field like he can but he does and he played last week against Miami he 
He was hampered by an ankle for a little while before that, but looked good. 149 yards and a TD on 32 carries last week. It's going to be a problem. He That's going to be what we have to shut down first. It, I don't think anyone watching this game will tell you anything different. you got to shut down A.J. Dillon. They have a quarterback in Anthony Brown who's improved. Uh, he's still young, redshirt sophomore, a little bit of a dual threat, but he's gotten a lot better in the year and a half that he's been starting. Yeah, I mean, he's got a 58% completion percentage, 15 TDs, five interceptions. That's fine. Like that, that is a good, like manageable at the college level quarterback that you can can work with. Um, they have some wide receiver threats in Kobe White and Jeff Smith, both with around you know one's got two fifty, one's got about three hundred yards, three TDs, four TDs. But then you have also Tommy Sweeney. They like always their uh, tight ends make sure that they're as uh, Irish as possible with a name like that. So, and then Ben Glines, who has three D's three TDs as well. So this is not a, it's not a potent offense, but it's enough to cause you problems. And the, the, the concern that I have most with what just happened last week is I would be I would be blown away if Adazio just comes out and runs his normal set instead of trying to just mimic pounding the line the way that Georgia Tech just did. Just stick seven on the line and really just beat up our our defense because that is Boston College has the type of players that can do that that can overwhelm you the same way that Georgia Tech can. So. It may not be his style, and it it generally is not his style to really stuff the line with a lot of players. But I think he's going to. If he doesn't, I would be disappointed in a, in Adazio uh, if he doesn't just use the script that he just watched play out pretty well against Virginia Tech, and that sucks for us. But I think it's probably what we we should see. Whether we do see it, I'm not so certain. Well, no one can mimic what Paul Johnson does uh, quite the same way. He Paul Johnson is a perfectionist and is kind of a genius when it comes to that offense. So like, it's not going to be exactly like that, but when you're talking about just physical play at the line, yes, that's what BC is. They're one of the most physical teams in the country every year. And even if AJ Dillon is out, Ben Glines, he has those three TDs receiving. He has three more rushing and has like the second most rushing yards on the team. So they use him a lot in the run game. And David Bailey is the same size as AJ Dillon. And he's another running back. They have Travis Levy's the third down back. They have a lot of guys they can use on the ground. The difference in the game is going to be whether Anthony Brown has a good game plan quarterback. Cause against Purdue, he was atrocious, like a three QBR number three, like one single digit. Um, Temple, he was really bad against them. And NC State, pretty bad there too. Uh, better against Louisville and pretty good against Miami. But his stats and his passer rating were all inflated against UMass and Wake. He tore them up. Nine of his 16 TDs came in those two games. Yep. So more than half of his TDs came against Wake and UMass. So he's better. But um, a 58 QBR really bad play for some power five teams in temple. He is someone we can slow down and someone that might not put as much pressure on our young secondary as some guys have already this year. So there's a little bit of a bright spot in that. I think if we can slow down 
and match the physicality of Boston College on the line just a little bit and with our linebackers that we can keep the offense in the game. Yeah, <laughs> unlike last week. Yeah, I think we're going to have to this team needs to learn how to use speed versus physicality because I don't see the size in our in our in our defense right now that we're typically like we don't have settle to just blow up settle used to just blow up offensive lines like he would just take on a two and just spread it and get right back to the backfield and then ricky would be coming from the other side and it was just a disaster um we don't we just don't have that right now and that's fine but then you have to go the route that daddy nicholas and people did like daddy nicholas was not great like but he had speed he was an end rusher that would just get behind you and even if you didn't actually you know lobster hands didn't actually take you down like you at least you felt the pressure like it forced the pass it forced the decision that didn't actually work out that well it forced interceptions and this defense needs to figure out what they want to be it, and I think that we're we're getting there to that point where the defense needs to figure out whether we're not. I don't think we have the size to be physical up front, so we need to figure out how are we going to be a fast, shifty, you know, coming off the line, having a fuller, you know, playing up as a linebacker, or, you know, that kind of you know Terrell, you know, uh, Termaine. I don't know what we're going to be, and right now it it doesn't look cohesive. It doesn't, and that's what I want to see on the field. This game and for the next four games is us to establish what our our narrative is for this defense. Yeah, if you can't necessarily match the physicality of a team in size, maybe your aggressiveness has to go up a notch. And like you said, like the way you use your speed has to go up a notch, ball hawking, that kind of thing. And I, I think Gaines is kind of a good comparison to daddy. I think he is a similar type of player, not huge, but quick around the edge, makes a lot of various plays can get his hands on footballs, all that kind of stuff. So I think there's still hope for this defensive line and this defense in general. Last week was a disaster and they're playing the 69th ranked team in the S and P plus, according to their offense, number 69. Nice. Uh, Georgia tech is 15 as an offense. They're 15th in the country in offensive S&P+. It's Paul Johnson's best rushing offense he's ever had. Seriously, it's his best in his 11 years or whatever he's been at Georgia Tech. This year is his best offense. So if you want to feel a little bit better, at least you can take that. This is the 69th best offense according to the S&P+. So this is a big step down from the offense we saw against Georgia Tech. I know it's a one-dimensional offense at GT, and it frustrates you when you can't stop it, but this offense is a lot worse. Yeah, and the the other thing I would say is, you know, for our offense, what are we going to do against Boston College as we transition over is this is a weird Boston College <laughs> defense. One that we, you know, we, we, we talk about Connor, and we talked about Zach Allen and things. Zach Allen is having a, a nightmare of a season. I mean, he's got five and a half <laughs> sacks, 12 and a half tackles for a loss, and he's he's doing really well. I'm, I'm not so sure what we're seeing on the defense side for Boston College here. It's stout, but it's stout. Really, it seems like a, against the pass, and normally it's against the rush for them, and I think their stats are, are pretty abysmal from what I could look up against the rush and that is very counterintuitive to what you would normally see in a Boston College defense. So I think they're like 25th uh, on S and P against the pass, and then something like 83rd against the rush. 
And yeah, that is that's what I got. That's not that's not what you usually see for Boston College. It's usually the opposite, and that's not to disregard their defensive backs and what they do. And the but usually between their you know their, their line and between they've been their, a run stuffing linebacker you type of defense. Yeah, and it's not there and this year. It's it's a little bit different. And Connor Strahan, before he got hurt last year, he was an excellent linebacker against the run. He's still very good, but as a team. They've given up 14 rushing touchdowns. That's quite a few through eight games. Overall, it's a very it's a very good defense. Yes, they are worse against the rush right now, and I don't really know why that is. I, the strength is on the outside with Wyatt Ray and Zach Allen, like you mentioned. I mean, those guys both have double-digit tackles for loss already this year, and a bunch of the linebackers have a bunch of tackles for loss as well. It's going to be hard to pass against this team, because of how quickly they get to the QB. It's not necessarily because the DBs are tremendous in coverage, though the pass breakup numbers are decent. It's because Zach Allen is always hot on the tail of the quarterback, and Wyatt Ray is always right at the quarterback. So this is a big test for the pass protection and this offensive line. It's We need to run the ball, obviously take advantage of that weakness, but if we're going to have any big-time success in this game scoring points, we're going to have to protect Willis against those two outside edge rushers yeah and i think the only one and listen i don't get to do all my homework so uh other people can do their own and and find things that they find interesting in the game and look at matchups but hamp Cheevers, their defensive back has five interceptions this year the next highest on the team is two so i don't know what his height is and what he looks like in terms of matching up against hazelton because I have a pretty good idea that he's going to be matching up against <laughs> our our number one by far, uh, you know, wide receiver. Um, from a stat standpoint, I'll be interested to see where he lines up uh, as a defensive back because the next highest on the team, somebody has two interceptions. Uh, he's at five right now, and across the country, that's high. I mean, we are not that's very the, high. That, yeah. that is, we are not that deep in the season uh, to to have five interceptions on the on the year. So uh, that that is another idea of like just what to look at and what you're looking at in the defensive backs and what they're doing and producing on the field. Yeah, they the defensive backfield is very good. In addition to that defensive line, I mean, yes, the defensive line makes it easier for them, and maybe it forces the quarterback into some bad throws, but. Yeah, five interceptions. That's crazy. And then both him and Taj Amir Torres, the guy with two interceptions, they both have seven pass breakups. So there is something to be said for this defense and in, in the back end. Both of the safeties are experienced. Harris and Lucas Dennis had a tremendous freshman year last year. Make a lot of solo tackles. Like it's a sure tackling team. You'd expect nothing less from an Adazio defense. Is sure tackling, you know, stout line play, great linebackers. It's a good defense. It's not great, but it's very good. This is a people's game to me. Like you, You've been on him all year, but if there's any game where you need to run him and maybe run him 15, 18 times, it's this game. You need to punish that defense just a little bit. Uh, and I've been wanting them to run a little bit more this year as it is anyway. So this is the game to do it. This is That's their only weakness. They're, they're good against the pass. They're good in the red zone. You know, you've, you've got to try to pound the ball a little bit in this game and open things up for the quarterback. Yeah. I, 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 and I've always been high on people's and I've always said the same thing. It's not because of whether he's the most talented running back in the world or like, you know, he's got the shifty. 
he wants to get yardage. Like no matter what, you will never watch his feet stop moving. And that's what you need in a game like this. And um, I'm excited. I was excited watching him in that game and a couple of his spin moves when he was getting off like really tough tackles and stuff like that's the kind of thing that I think could really set the tone in this game against BC is being able to to get that extra yardage because it really it really does matter especially for this offense and the way that we play is it to avoid three and outs those two yards make a meaningful amount to the overall production of this offense more than any other because we're we're you know we need it right now and this defense needs the help so um I think that I think we're gonna have to win this one during in the trenches <laughs> in, in some respects. Well, I'm hoping that after last weekend, that they decide that like that's they need to do that, and that that's just like all about effort right up front, and know that you know we got to go out and punch this team in the mouth a little bit. They're coming down off this big win against Miami. Maybe they're feeling themselves a little bit. Take advantage of it. Come out early, punch them in the mouth. Decide that you're gonna be tough on the inside right at the line of scrimmage because that's where we lost the game last week. It, it was it was right there at the line of scrimmage. When we were in bare front, whether we were in a four-man front, it didn't matter. It, they were just punishing us. So you, that's got to change. And if it doesn't change this week and we see the same thing, then I think we all know the direction this season is going. Let's take a beer break before we give our final thoughts and picks. Pete, what do you drink? I am drinking the... Vanilla Java Porter by Atwater Brewery. Atwater is from Detroit. And this Vanilla Java Porter is awesome. English-style porter brewed with vanilla and coffee beans. I'm into it, man. This is a lot different than the first beer, but it's a lot better, too. And that's been happening to me last three weeks in a row. I do one beer that's one style and one beer that's another. I kind of like it that way. And I try to save the sweeter one for the last. And this has that little bit of sweetness in the porter. Uh, I was drinking some Guinness this weekend, watching my Eagles play in London. And so I was up early. We went to the bar and we're drinking by 930. And um, (laughs) it made me really start to want those stouts and porters. And so I was looking forward to having this one. Atwater did a nice job with this. I'm not sure I've ever had anything from there, but the vanilla Java Porter, I would recommend it. What are you drinking? So right now I'm drinking the Rule of Three triple hop dry hopped uh double ipa by duclaw out of baltimore and i i like to always be very kind of positive about beers this is not good it's just it's just too much and i think it's because the season's changing so i know i drink a lot of ipas on here double ipas new england style ipas but lately i've been drinking a ton of pumpkin beers, stouts, porters, things like that. And uh, as it gets colder, I usually like to gravitate towards those beers. But Duclaw in general has never really put out a beer that I've been really that high on thus far. Hmm. And uh, I think I've drank most of them. It's 8.8%. This one's a triple. So... Well, it's a double, but it's dry hop three times. So uh, it's basically, you know, an equivalent of a triple. And it it just doesn't really, it doesn't do do it for me. So I would put this on the lower end of the double IPAs that I typically drink. And I don't like doing that, but it's not great. It's just the way that it is. 
I've I've had a couple Duke Claws that I really like, and some other ones that kind of you know, you know, or whatever. So I I feel like it's a good brewery, but then again, I I only have it every so often, so it's hard to gauge. Let's tie up these loose ends on BC and then make our picks, and we'll try to run through those picks as quick as possible because we want to pick some of the top twenty-five games and go outside of the ACC for a few. So as for BC. The last thing I wanted to say with regard to their entire team is that their special teams are 88th in the S&P Plus. We thought the low S&P Plus rating on GT might be the difference in the game last week. Turns out we made the special teams blunder and not them. Uh, maybe this week it becomes an advantage because we're still 10th in the S&P Plus according to our special teams, and they're 88th. So maybe there's a little something there. I don't know, but BC... If you remember that Wake game, that was the only reason Wake was in the game is because of BC's special teams blunders. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. So like, those blunders were uh, were pretty bad. They were. I mean, Wake is not a good team, and they almost beat BC. So I would say in this game, if they get decent QB play, we are going to lose uh, handily. Um, we're really going to have to to make him beat us and have our young secondary play a lot better. I, because th- you can't let AJ Dillon beat you. Like you, you just can't, if you, if you go in there and just let them run all over you, well then you don't deserve to win anyway. You need to start there at least. And then hopefully you can slow down Brown with some, some trickeration, some different looks that Bud likes to throw at him. Yeah. I think um, for me, so is your pick, what's your pick on that? So, well, I, I didn't even put out the line yet, but BC is a two-point favorite in lane. All right, so I agree. I think the, I think our only chance in this game, not like like our only chance, is a bounce back where the team feels kind of embarrassed about what it just what just occurred, what happened at home. So I don't think this is a game where the talent is really going to matter that much. It will actually, it will matter a little bit with our defensive line and our linebackers actually playing a little bit better and tackling a lot better than they did because tackling was atrocious in that game. But I think this is going to be an emotion game. And if our coaching staff is able to get our players up to snuff in terms of feeling like, you need to play well at lane, like at a home game and in front of your crowd. Like a, a lot of our like big wins and that have been meaningful to the program have been on the road. They haven't been or neutral site, whatever you want to call it. And I think this is an, a, the first emotion game that they really need to win. Otherwise, it's going to resound within the program for a long time. Yeah, and I think you're right. This isn't so much about X's and O's and you know, their defense is worse than their offense and our offense is pretty good. It is just like, can you get a team out there willing to fight, willing to show some fire in their belly and get a bounce back win? Because if you're just looking at these teams, I've been trying to put myself in the shoes of just the average Joe from Minnesota who loves to bet games and BCVT pops up on his Bovada app and he sees that BC is a two-point favorite. What does the average Joe who bets college football every week think? Does he think, hmm, BC's a lot better than Virginia Tech, especially lately. They should probably crush. Or is he thinking, well, BC, you know, they just had a big win and Virginia Tech just got embarrassed. Definitely taking Virginia Tech in that game. So I don't know, like, 
where where the smart money would be, where like the average better would be, or really where I am. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't think you do. well if, if we're going to get into our picks here. I, I you can't take BC here comfortably because the 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 whole I mean Virginia Tech is up against a wall here. Like the, like a serious wall. Like it, right. not even like they're up against a wall from a coaching uh, criticism standpoint, from a uh, effort standpoint, whether they're putting enough effort on the field from a talent standpoint. Um, you know, Willis needs to, that's probably the only thing is Willis needs to continue to calm down and like settle into what he's doing. And I actually like his emotion in a lot of respects because it's, it's led to a lot of really good plays and a lot of him scrambling for first downs when like there's he, they, we have no business for a first down and he makes it out of nothing with his feet uh, if you're betting, I don't know. My emotion makes me want to go BC, but the the logic really would be VT. And 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 see, this I kind think of the situation. opposite. I think my emotion makes me want to take Virginia Tech, but the logic would say you got to take BC. Um, it, it depends. Betting logic is different than like ever, like people's football logic sometimes, and that's that's why this is really tough. I think the bounce back gets Virginia Tech the win. I feel so little amount of confidence in that pick. I want, I want everyone to know that I did take Georgia tech last week. Uh, I did. T- so I, I got the win, even though I thought we would win the game. Uh, I did take Georgia tech against the spread this week. I'm taking Virginia tech against the spread. I don't know if we're going to win. I just, it's one of those weird, like I'm trying to, to make the pick like a better. And I'm I'm taking Virginia Tech, and yeah, emotionally that's better for me as well. But it just feels like a Fuente bounce back game, and with BC coming down off Miami, I think we can get the win. I think we can cover the spread, which is two. It could be a one point game, and we could lose. But anyway, um, I, I, I and I don't see uh, hear your point. I don't think it's a Fuente bounce back. I think this is a program defining recruit define. Like this is a bounce back. For- everything that should be lane stadium this is an important game um even though it may not look like on paper yeah if you want to go with the backed against the wall mentality then that's that's probably a good way to look at it it this this could go the just the other way too like they could kill us they they really could there's just there's got to be better play out there and if we don't find it right now and i think we will then it's not going to happen this year. And that's a scary yeah. thought because that means no ball streak. That means a potential loss to UVA. Um, they got to find it. And Fuente's good after a loss. He, he, I think he's like eight or nine and one, something like that. So let's hope that trend continues. Next game we're going to pick is Pitt at UVA. That's Friday night. Number 23 UVA is a seven and a half point favorite. Robbie, who you got? Uh, the the hook is really kind of the rub here. I think is <laughs> you'd probably agree. I think you think Pitt's gonna demolish UVA. Uh, I'm gonna take Pitt, but UVA's I think is still gonna win. So I think the uh, the hook for me is kind of the uh, the important part. All right, I'm gonna take Pitt. I think they could pull off the win. I said that much on Twitter. Of course, you can make predictions on Twitter, and no one cares. Uh, I do kind of think Pitt's gonna win. I just feel like this is a time for a pit 
<laughs> like this is you're they're going to get pitted so we'll see but if nothing else i think it should be a competitive game pitt's been throwing up some points lately they just beat duke in a game both of us didn't think that would go that way so we'll see I, it's going to be a good game so what happens if uva wins though well i mean if uva wins it's still obviously they're in full control of the coast i i know the the, the actual maturation, but if what you're thinking about for the season. It depends on like how the, they win. It does depend on how they win. But if they win by one, um, I, I've given them their credit. I think they're good. But Pitt is still just a mediocre team. So it's not like a super impressive win or anything. And they're at home at night, so they really should win. They're seven and a half point favorites. Miami if, has a good defense, though. They, and they just they just put up points there. I, I I just I I feel like like uh, I I don't know I keep coming back to this, just overlooking it can be dangerous for us. I'm not overlooking uh, UVA. I I do yeah. think they're good. I just think you have to take into account like who is their best win. Like who like it's Miami, but Miami is, my, is floundering. So yeah, that's true. Next game, Georgia Tech against UNC. Georgia Tech is six point favorites. And this is in Chapel Hill. Who do you got? Well, I guess I have to take Georgia Tech because that's, <laughs> that's the only solution I have to make us feel better about uh, what we just went through. So um, I'll stick with uh, Georgia Tech, even though I'm, I'm not very happy about it. I'm going to go UNC only because Georgia Tech has failed to put together like consistent back-to-back games too many times this year. Uh, and six points is kind of a lot against a UNC team that's better than their record, although they're still not very good. So I'm taking UNC. Syracuse at Wake Forest. Syracuse is ranked number 22 in the AP poll. They're four and a half, pay, four and a half point favorites on the road at Wake. I'll go first this time. I'm taking Qs to cover those four and a half. I think they're a lot better than Wake Forest. Yeah, that's not even really. Yeah, I agree. I think that's probably the lock of the week if you want to go to any other podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Syracuse is a pretty good team. Next game, Duke at Miami. Miami's nine and a half point favorites. Duke, who we thought was pretty decent, um, not so good lately. They, They lost to Pitt. They did beat Georgia Tech two or three weeks ago. I don't really know what to make of Duke. I do think that nine and a half points to Miami is too many, and I'm going to take Duke. Yeah, I, I would see the, the loss that Miami just took is the only thing that's throwing me off But because they're going to be really pissed off. But I'm still going to go Duke. I think it's a seven-point game or something along those lines, maybe less than that, maybe even a field goal or something along. It just it doesn't make sense for nine and a half. It just seems too high. Yeah. Next game, Georgia at Kentucky. We're done with the ACC games. I don't want to pick the 38-point spread of Clemson and Louisville. That just seems like a silly thing to pick. <laughs> Why Can not? Can you even believe how high that is? <laughs> what? No, if we need to pick that, this is not going to be on the uh, stats page, but you got to pick it. Cause it's I think so it's 38 funny. and a half is what it is. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to take the over. You're going to take Clemson? You think Clemson's going to do like a 59-3 to on them? Uh, yeah. I think absolutely. It's hard to argue with that at this point, but I'm going to take Louisville. I know they suck, but Clemson, they came to play against Florida State. They wanted to rub them into the ground. 
we we know if Clemson had those brain farts, I'm maybe this is 36 points instead of 38. I'll take Louisville. Fortunately, it's not going to be on the picks page anyway. But you can't with these. That's such a large spread. Like it's impossible to know. They may not even have a coach by the time they play that game. Hey, whoever. he might be fired by the time. Well, right whoever here. the replacement would be might be better than Bobby Petrino <laughs> right now. That's, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, and just to clarify, the, the spread was 38 and a half. Is 38 and a half at this moment, so oh that's just God. insane. Now We're we going to pick Georgia-Kentucky now, though. <laughs> Georgia is number six. Ah. Kentucky's number 11. Georgia nine-point favorites on the road another kind of large spread Kentucky. The last few weeks, they were seven and a half point underdogs to Mizzou and one on an untimed down due to a pass interference call. Impressive, uh, stick to for Kentucky, but also a blown game by Mizzou. Georgia has been a dominant team other than the one game against LSU. Kentucky's defense is really good. I'm going to take UK at home to cover those nine points. Yeah, I'm gonna go UK as well. I, I, they just the locker room. Did you watch the post game? It was uh, against uh, Missouri. It, it was just so electric. I think that they're gonna really bring out that energy. And I would be scared of UGA's run game. I have always been, um, but I think Kentucky can do this. I, I'm I'm rooting for them. I don't know about you, so I'm I'm excited. According to the college football playoff rankings. Kentucky's number nine. So that means they have a top 10 team in both basketball and football right now. Well, I don't want to talk about, I hate their basketball team. I actually like their football team because their football teams are relatively underdogs. So, uh, their, uh, their, their basketball team can screw off though. Next game, West Virginia at Texas, West Virginia is number 12. Texas is number 15. Texas, a two point favorite coming off a loss. I'm going to take Texas. I know you've been a fan of WVU this year. I'm going to take Texas to win and cover those two points. Who do you got? WVU, just so we are all clear, came back to form. I mean, they played well in that game last week. So um, I'm going to stick with Oh, they were WVU. killing Baylor. They went up like 44 nothing or something. Yeah. So I'm going to go with WVU, but I actually uh, I could go either way on this game, and that's yeah. probably what the spread actually yeah, the spread shows. Penn State at Michigan. Penn State's number 14, Michigan number 5. Michigan 10 points at home, the favorite. Man, this is hard because Penn State has been not so great, but they did still beat Iowa, who's a tough team. Michigan has this thing with Penn State where they tend to kill them if they beat them. Man. And it's at Michigan. It's in the big house. Yeah. It's in the big house. I'm going to take Michigan. I'm going to take him to cover the 10. Ooh, I like it. Uh, I'm going to go upset alert. Uh, not that I, I don't really feel good about Penn State at all. Uh, and I think they're a great program I, and a great team right now. But just that opportunity to just kind of screw up Michigan's playoff hopes, I think that that's the reason that they all come out and just that that's enough for James Franklin to just like, Yay, we're just going to go mess up Michigan just for the sake that's, of it. That's very fair. And 10 is a lot, and Penn State ha- is a good, talented team. They just start off games so slow, and they try to pick it up at the end, and it doesn't always work for them. Yeah. Michigan like also your... might be a little bit disrespected by the fact that they're number five in those college football playoff rankings. 
Yeah. No, you, you and I talked about that. I, 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 I think your pick is the right one logically. I think emotionally, Penn State is the pick. So if you want to go through which team is better, I think Michigan is their defense is so good that they can shut down Penn State from an emotion standpoint. Penn State has nothing to nothing to play for at this point. They're not going to be in the Big Ten championship. They're, all they can do is just screw up Michigan's playoff hopes, and I think they're going to just try and go out and do that. Yeah. Next game, Alabama at LSU, the big one. Bama's first test, it's on the road, but they're 14.5-point favorites in the other Death Valley. I'm going to take LSU. I was on my Bama train for a long time. And then I picked Bama versus Texas A&M to cover. It was like 27 and a half. It's kind of silly in retrospect, but I, I was picking Bama until they lost. And guess what? They lost that spread. Texas A&M covered. And so by now what? I'm going to take LSU. What, what, what was the what they cover by? Uh, it, it was, I mean, I think that game was the closest game Bama's played. I'll look up the score mm-hmm. while you make your pick. Um, I guess we're reversing here. Alabama's Probably going to win by 28, I think, or somewhere along those lines. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, that's the better side to be on is betting on Bama. <laughs> I hate betting on Bama. I, uh, you know me. I don't bet on Bama. You bet on Bama. I do the opposite. But now it's just too real, and I don't believe. I, yeah, listen, I'd love – this is a win-win for me. If LSU comes out and keeps it close or they win – then I'm happy because it's against Bama and I'm picking the easy side. If Bama destroys, then I picked right, but they're just that good. So the score of A&M Bama was 23-45, 22 point margin of victory. I think the spread was like 26 or 27. Yeah. So So I'm taking Alabama plus, can I double my Alabama on bet (laughs) on this? Because I'll take, I, I'm hoping, uh, can I take Bama at, uh, what's that, 29 points? I'll take Bama at 29. You want to tease it up? <laughs> yeah, I want to tease it upwards, not even down. Like I'll oh, take man. Bama. Um, yeah, man, I I just think that Tua is going to see a little bit of pressure in this game, and he's not used to that because they've not played anyone that can come close to their size and speed. So. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe LSU LSU's can defense, do something. LSU's defense is very good. There's no, I don't want to. And they you know. kick the crap out of Georgia, and Georgia's very, very good. So we'll see. I, I'm, I'm just hoping that someone could keep it close, and that game is entertaining down the stretch. Yeah, I know. I All agree. Right. I guess that's it for picks. That's it for the podcast. Again, a little bit of uh, scatteredness after Georgia Tech. I. Freaking hate playing them, man. Three years in a row. Whew, man. I I didn't see it coming. Not like that. I, I, I saw a close loss. I did not see a blowout loss coming, and it really stings. I pray that that is not a trend in the downward direction. UNC and then Georgia Tech. I'm hoping that we see like the team we saw against Duke. The reaction Bud Foster had um, to at, at midfield – to uh, Paul was a little bit different than he's had in the past. Usually it's just like the shake and like, you know, go F yourself. You know, I'm walking off the field. I think this time he just 
new. He just he just doesn't have the talent right yeah. now to like compete in that kind of game, and that's why he was just kind of like, yeah, this is this is what we have right now. Wasn't there an exchange like you? You kicked our tail tonight, and then Paul Johnson was like, you saw the good Georgia Tech team. Because he knows how inconsistent they can be. And yeah. they were that was a master class of offense the other night. I mean, if, if anybody thinks otherwise, that if we always make it like a joke that they hate each other. Like, it's probably like Bud Foster and, <laughs> and Paul Johnson like sitting in like a like a cabin somewhere, like in the movie Sniper, like drinking like a like a glass of scotch, talking to each other. They're probably like best friends. Well, they're the same the type of, the of guy, like in general. I mean, they're both just these guys that are so good at schematics and things like that. Like they probably have a lot in common when it comes down to it. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that game towards the end of both of their tenures, whether you want to like bring that up or not, I don't really care. It's true that, I mean, they're both getting up in age is whether how long they're going to keep going. I mean, they have a tremendous amount of respect for what each other do. I mean, one is an offensive mastermind in terms of running a scheme that you teach at peewee leagues, but is still working exceptionally well and will get you to 10 wins and get you to an ACC championship game, (laughs) which is incredible um, in a triple option. And the other is a defensive mastermind. And it's, it's a tough loss, but you know, when I slept on it, I look at it and I, I'm like, you know, it's kind of a painting in its own right. You may not look at it and think it's pretty, but somebody else might. And it's it's pretty incredible what those two have done as much as it pains me in the stomach to say that. Yeah, there's a mutual respect there. And it was the, uh, it was the Lifetime Achievement Award, like pat on the back that uh, Bud gave Paul Johnson there because he's like, well, you got me again. All right, you guys can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT, at 2DVT on Instagram. 2DVT.com is the website. We're updating all of our beers and picks and stats. So go there and check them out. You can stream every podcast. 2DVT at gmail.com. And make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Write us a review. We're also on Google Play. Uh, If you're having issues there, unsubscribe and resubscribe i think someone was mentioning something like that we're on stitcher spotify you name it we're there robbie i am hoping the next time i talk to you it's after a win god damn it adazio if you do you do this to me i i always speak high praises of him but if he if he if he messes this up um then we're gonna have problems yeah it could be a long rest of the season if we're not talking about a win next time. And until that time, go Hokies. Go Hokies.